Shabbat Shalom. All right, we are in uh, part two of a series dealing with Israel and our group identity. Identity issues are everything. How you view yourself, how you identify with yourself and your world and God and all of that determines how you live your life, which determines the blessing or the cursings. So identity issues, they're big issues. So we've been talking about that uh, last week. We're going to pick it up this week, and we're going to talk specifically about Israel being our new group identity. So we discovered in our first teaching last week that Israel became God's treasured people and his holy nation. He chose them knowing that they as a nation would reject his son as Messiah and king over all. And despite their national rejection of Jesus, they remain his treasured people. Even though the nation rebuffed the claims of Jesus, a remnant in Israel did believe in him. In fact, that remnant, that believing remnant, has always been a part of Israel from her beginning and all the way until he comes again. The Jewish remnant is the Israel of God. The believing Gentiles are grafted into her. They don't replace her, but rather they join her through faith in Jesus. And together, believing Jews and believing Gentiles comprise the ongoing and expanded holy nation of God, God's chosen people, his treasured people. Now it's complicated. Paul writes extensively about it, and it's not easy to understand, but that's what we've been unpacking and will continue to do so. So let's explore our connection to the olive tree of Israel and its many wonderful ramifications. Last week, we talked about the new covenant also and how that relates to all that we're talking about. The new covenant. How many people are new covenant believers? How many people are in the new covenant, right? So this is fascinating when you think about it. The new covenant was made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not with the Gentiles. The new covenant is about Israel. The Gentiles, we come in after all of that. After that covenant gets established, we then are invited to come in and join believing Jews in that new covenant. Thus, the Israel of God is expanded dramatically as believing Gentiles are added to her through faith in Yeshua. We are brought into the fold of Israel, John chapter 10. We are granted citizenship in the Israel of God, Ephesians 2 and 3. And we're grafted into the olive tree of Israel, Romans chapter 11. Thus, the promise that was made to Abraham, that God would not only raise him up as a nation and save his people, but that through them, he would save the nations, is coming to pass. We are witnessing that today. And the ramifications for the believing Gentile are staggering and stunning, to say the least. So today, we're going to take a look at the metaphor of the olive tree called Israel in Romans chapter 11. You can turn with me to chapter 11. 
I'm going to pick up the reading. It's uh, going to it's going to start in verse 16. I wish I could just go to Romans 9 and work through it. It'd take me 12 weeks, 9 through 11. So you go, you read it, you study. Be like the Bereans. Go study it out, right? Uh, but I'm going to jump into Romans chapter 16 in the middle of our context just to get to the point because we have such a short amount of time. So Paul here is going to make his case about the remnant of Israel and how it relates to greater Israel, and also the nations. Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verse 16, if the first piece of the dough is holy, the lump is also. So, so if you have a lump of dough and it is sacred, set apart, made holy unto the Lord, and you take a piece of that off and pull it away from the lump, that piece is holy. Why? Because the lump is holy. It's one and the same. Then he goes on to say, and, and if the root is holy, the branches are too. If the root is holy, the branches are too. So he's going to shift from challah or for, from the bread uh, in the temple. He's going to shift to the metaphor of the tree of Israel. If the root of the tree is holy, then so are the branches. Why? They're all connected. It's the root that provides the sap, the life, to rise up through the trunk and into the branches. So whatever's true about the root is true also about the branches. This is a powerful metaphor. It, it's misunderstood, by the way, um, but it's a powerful metaphor that we need to really understand and grab hold on. So where do we pick this idea up in terms of Israel being called an olive tree. This is found in Jeremiah chapter 11. Paul is drawing off the prophet Jeremiah in uh, his writings in chapter 11. Verse 16 says this, The Lord called you, speaking of Israel, it's actually speaking of all 12 tribes if you go back and work the context in this passage. The Lord called you a green olive tree. The Lord called Israel a green olive tree with beautiful formed fruits. But with the roar of a mighty storm, he will set it ablaze and its branches will be broken. It's a passage that deals with judgment, judgment that's coming to Israel because of her rebellion against the Lord. And he says, you're a, a green olive. You, you are a beautiful olive tree. I've called you by name, a green olive. But I'm going to judge you. I'm going to break your branches off. Note, note well that Israel is called a green olive tree. And this is what Paul is picking up on. This is a metaphor that was well entrenched in the hearts and minds of all the 12 tribes. So when Paul, the Jewish believing Pharisee speaks of a holy root and branches, he is, of course, speaking of Israel, the holy nation of God. But what is the root in reference to? If the tree of Israel is holy, if the tree is the holy nation called Israel, what would be the root? So if we start with the root in this analogy or in this metaphor, 
it's probably in reference to Abraham, Isaac, and, Na and Jacob. Because this is where the nation arises from. These are the patriarchs of the nation of Israel. So more than likely, the roots going to relate to the patriarchs, the ones that God made all his promises to, the one who God says, I will not take back those promises. The promises I made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to their descendants are irrevocable. They're unchangeable. He goes on in the later part of chapter 11 to make that case. Let me read it here. Romans 11, 28 through 29. From the standpoint of the gospel, they, Israel, are enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they're beloved for the sake of the fathers. Probably in reference to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So, the root being Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the trunk being Israel, and the branches being the Jewish people, the people of Israel. These people of Israel, the physical descendants of Jacob, they're referred to, of course, by the first century as the Jewish people. They comprise the holy nation of God, Israel. It's the only nation he has. He has no other nation. He has no other people group. It's Israel and Israel alone. This is the nation he raised up. He separated himself at Babel from all the other nations and then raised up his own. The good news is this. He's inviting the nations now to participate with his holy nation by being grafted into her. Outside of her, you have no connection to the holy people of God. You have no connection to the holy God of Israel. It's only through the nation that you experience any of this that's being offered. Keep in mind, the Gentiles, they're part of an, another tree, a different tree. Paul calls it a wild tree. Wild being what? Out of control. We are the wild olive branches off a different tree being grafted into the tree of Israel. God only has one tree. He doesn't have two trees, just one tree. You're either in the tree or you're not. Get in the tree. You say, how do I get in the tree? By putting your faith in the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, the Messiah. He, he is the sap that runs through the root, gives life to the tree and the branches. It's through faith in him that we find our way into the olive tree of Israel. 17 through 18, Romans 11. Paul says, But if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. Paul makes it very clear. Some of the branches were broken off. Not all of the branches, some of the branches. What we've been told for nearly 2,000 years, generally speaking, across the denominational board, is that all of the branches were broken off. And that we, the Gentiles who believe in Jesus, are grafted in to that olive tree. We've replaced Israel. We now are the olive tree. And I want to say that can't be farther from the truth. Let's put up the slide 
of Calvin's olive tree. So this is John Calvin, one of the greatest of our reformers. And he has this imprint in his catechism, 1563. He wrote extensively, wrote volumes of works. And, uh, and this is what he put into uh, the imprint in the beginning of the book. And it's the olive tree. This is the depiction of Paul's theology that he gives us. And this is Calvin's understanding of it. If you notice, every major branch, every major branch right here, this one, this one, and this one, every major branch has been cut off. We have uh, uh, God in the heavenlies with a sickle, and he's cutting off branches. And every major branch has been cut off, and they all have new branches grafted into them. And then he has this saying over here, that he is speaking uh, to, to God. And this is what uh, he says. This is the English translation. It says, I shall be inserted as a branch. They are broken off. They being the Jewish people. They, the Jewish people, are broken off. And I, a Gentile, am grafted in. Along with all the other Gentiles. Let's go back to the tree again. So that... As, you go, as we go back, so what we have is we have all the Jews broken off, and then all these new branches are Gentile believers, Christians, so that they've replaced Israel. They're now the olive tree of God. Now, if you go back to the text, Paul's making the case that God has not rejected his people. He is not rejecting them. They will never be rejected. He made the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that promise is irrevocable. Their own disobedience can't change that. So Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verse 17, but if some of the branches, circle some, if some of the branches were broken off, what that means is there were branches that remained on that tree. There were Jewish believers in every generation. And in the first century, Many Jewish people put their faith in Jesus as the Messiah. In Acts, it says, it says that myriads and myriads, thousands and thousands, it can be translated tens of thousands of priests. We're talking about educated Jews, educated in the Torah, put their faith in Jesus as the Messiah. So that the olive tree for Paul is that some of the branches are broken off Many remained on. The olive tree continued. It just had some of the branches broken off. Not all of them. Calvin's view, of course, provided much of the fuel for replacement theology in Protestantism. And the misunderstandings are alive and well today. But we who know the truth have been set free from this. It's an identity issue. It's a big issue. We need to understand it. When you deprive God of his people, and when you deprive God of his integrity related to promises made, you undermine your own faith. If God doesn't have to make good on his promises he made to his people, why should he have to make good on the promises he made to you, right? God is a promise keeper, and he will keep and has kept his promises. 
So for Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles, he clarifies that believing Jews remain on the tree of Israel. It was only unbelieving Jews who were broken off the olive tree of Israel. And I don't, I don't have time to go on, but we'll maybe catch that at a later time. Paul makes the case that even those unbelieving Jews can be grafted back in through faith in Jesus. So, but, but note this, note this. Here, here's where God um, reveals his plan of salvation related to Israel. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that will be saved. Though Israel be as the sands of the sea, I'm only going to save a remnant so that the remnant is the Israel of God. The greater Israel is still called Israel, but she through her unbelief will not enter into the age to come. So in a sense, we have two Israels. We have natural Israel, unbelieving Israel, and then within unbelieving Israel, there's all these believing Jews. That smaller group is called the remnant of Israel, the Israel of God that God has saved, the Israel of God that is eternal and will go on into the age to come. Confused yet? It's complicated, but it's good. All right. Gentile believers are defined as, wild, as a wild olive branch cut from a wild olive tree and grafted in to the cultivated olive tree of Israel. What does that mean? What does that convey? The wild olive is not part of the cultivated olive tree. Now, now when you graft things in, into trees, I'm not a horticulturalist or I don't work with trees, but um, this is what they say about this. They normally take from a cultivated olive tree, a branch, and they'll graft it into a wild olive tree to get the wild olive tree to produce more. It reinvigorates the wild olive tree. It causes it to produce more. It becomes cultivated through that grafting in process. Paul flips this. Paul says the wild olive is going to be grafted into the cultivated tree. Why? Well, obviously, you know, it's not stated, but it's beneficial for both the olive branch and the tree. The point I think that I want to make is this. We're not cultivated branches. If you're a Gentile who believes in Jesus, you're not a cultivated branch. You're a wild branch. What does that communicate? You're not Jewish. You're of the nations. But you can be connected to the Jewish people who believe in Jesus, the Messiah, and you can participate with them as the Israel of God. And you can learn and begin to grasp and walk in this new identity, this new way of life, so that you can experience all the blessings as well. When you get saved, your DNA doesn't change. A Jew who is saved becomes a spiritual Jew. A Gentile who saved becomes a spiritual Gentile. And he's going to take those spiritual Gentiles and gather them to the flock already gathered, to the cultivated tree that's already cultivated, make them citizens of his Israel 
so that we join and participate with Israel as Israel. That's our new group identity. Does that make sense? I know some people, when they got born again, they thought they became Jewish. I remember I was at a church, and they put banners up, and one of the banners was, I'm Jewish too. The pastor's making the point that, hey, I'm Jewish too, because I got born again. What do you mean? You know, if you did a DNA test before and after, nothing changed. The Jew is still a Jew, and the Gentile is still a Gentile. You're just born again. So, So I think it's important for us not to, you know, confuse uh, the issues related to identity by somehow making the case that you're Jewish now that you're born again. You are what you are. He redeems who you are. You get to celebrate who you are. We're a bouquet of people, and he's redeeming all of the nations, first Israel and then the nations. So, cut off from a wild tree and grafted into a cultivated tree. Now, again, I want to make the point. Because oftentimes we say, well, some of the branches were broken off. And we, the believing Gentiles, are grafted into those places where they were broken off. Isn't that a form of replacement, though? If if some branches are broken off, Jews, for unbelief, and we're grafted into the place they're broken off, did we not replace them? In the analogy, of course we did. That doesn't work. That's a form of replacement theology as well. Again, look at what Paul says. Paul says, back in Romans chapter, let's go back to slide 66. If some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive were grafted in what? Among them. You're grafted in among them. It's important to understand the, the slight difference here that we have in being grafted in among them and being grafted in place of them. No, we're being grafted in among the believing Jews. And those areas that were cut off, those branches can be grafted back into their place that they lost through faith in Messiah. This is not about replacement theology. This is about Gentiles joining with believing Jews and comprising the Israel of God. And that the Jews that through unbelief were cut off can be brought back into their tree through faith in Jesus. There's no replacement theology here. We exist in the Jewish olive tree of Israel as wild olive branches. (laughs) We did Shavuot for years at Denver Central Park. And at the park, you have one big area, big venue. You can set up, you know, for concerts and all that kind of stuff. They have a big clubhouse. At the other end of the park is a much smaller area, and it doesn't have a place that, ha- that you can go in and sit and eat and so forth, but it's a smaller area. So we're there one year. We got uh, our Israeli flags up, started the David shofars. Everyone's running around. We got this big celebration going on. And this Orthodox group, Orthodox Jews, came through the park because they went down to the other end. They were a, were a much smaller group. You know, the demographic, there's, there's just not a lot of Jewish people. So they're down at the other end of the park and they're celebrating Shavuot too. Well, what, what had happened is they were there earlier and we were already set up. And so when they finished their Shavuot, they came through the park, through our event. 
And the rabbi, his wife, his kids, his community, just a small group, they're coming through and everyone's like deers in the headlight. They're like, what? What is this? Because everyone knows everyone. You know, in a small pond, everyone knows everyone, right? They're thinking, who are these people? We don't recognize these people, but they got like Israel's flag up. They got shofars, you know? And uh, so they're really, really confused. They're really confused. And uh, one of our ladies, a number of our ladies are, are talking to the rabbi's wife. And she's talking away with them, trying to figure out what's going on. And so he comes over to me and, and he says, yeah, well, who are you guys, you know? And so I'm trying to explain to him that we're, we're, not, we're not Jewish, uh, but we love Israel. We're a part of Israel. And, you know, the more I talked, the more confused he was. And he kept looking down at my seats. kept looking down at these because you don't wear them on your bell loops. You know, I mean, I mean, when you exegete the passage, you wear them on the edges of your clothing. And when you deal with edges, you deal with fringes on your garments. It, it, if you look at ancient clothing and so forth, it's just talking about putting them on the border or the edges. They make a case for corners, which can't be made. It's not a really strong case, but you can make the case for corners too. And then they develop clothes that have corners. It's called a tallit, right? Um, so, so, but, you know, biblically, as exegetically, they just need to be on the borders, highly visible to remind you and everyone else that you belong to God and he belongs to you, right? So I got him on the belt loops, which you just don't do that. You just don't do that, you know? So he's really confused. He's thinking, man, you know, get this guy a, you know, Judaism for dummies book. So he points at those and he says, what, you know, what, what, why, why are you wearing those on your belt loops? So I grabbed him. I said, well, I said, because we're the wild olive branch. So we're the wild ones. We're from the nations. You know, Isaiah said we were coming in and entering into covenant with God too. Well, we're the ones he was talking about, you know. He just shook his head and walked off. It was, it was just too much, you know. So uh, yeah, we're not very cultivated, but we're learning. And uh, but it was a great, it was a great inter- encounter for both of us, and uh, I really believe that God is using those types of encounters to build bridges between the Jewish people and uh, you know Christians, believers who, as Christians, are understanding their connection with Israel. So we do not replace Israel as the people of God. We join her and become part of the people of God. We're not overtakers. Paul says we're partakers, not overtakers. Romans eleven twenty four, For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Whose tree? Who, whose tree? The tree of Israel. Yeah. It, 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 is the, it is the Jewish olive tree that Paul's referring to. Natural branches, speaking of Jews, that were broken off in the rejection of Jesus can be grafted back into their own tree, the tree of Israel, the olive tree of Israel. We as Gentiles are grafted in to the olive tree of Israel. That's our new group identity. We are a part of Israel. We need to learn to relate 
to Israel. We need to learn to embrace the ways of Israel. We need to acclimate ourselves to our new people group. We have new ancestors. Paul says, your forefathers are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are your ancestors. That's your people group. You're now part of the treasured people of God. Am Segulah, my treasured people. As a Gentile. Okay? That, that, is, that can be very disturbing for a number of different reasons. The point I want to make is Gentile believers are not their own tree. We are removed from our trees to be placed in their tree. And that is our new group identity. The olive tree of Israel. So in conclusion, I want to make a few points. Israel is God's holy nation. It's always been his holy nation. It will always be his holy nation. It's his only holy nation. And she is referred to as the olive tree of God. He did not reject her, nor did he uproot her for her disobedience or failure to receive Jesus as the Messiah. He chose her for knowing she would do this. That had to happen to secure redemption. As prophesied, he broke off the natural branches, unbelieving Jews, while the spiritual branches, believing Jews, remained on the tree. And we, believing Gentiles, are cut off from our own wild olive tree and grafted in among the believing Jews in their olive tree. Israel is the one and only olive tree of God. You're either in or you're out. And you don't want to be on the out. Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles spent a significant amount of time in prison for teaching that the Gentiles, as Gentiles, are brought into and participate with Israel as Israel through faith in Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul's been, see, see, Israel figured out Actually, Israel started to believe that she was saved based on her ethnic identity rather than covenant status. That was the first mistake. The second mistake was, well, how's God going to bring in the nations and make them holy? Well, I guess he has to make them Jewish. And so they devised a ritual called circumcision, conversion, which includes circumcision, in order to change the Gentile into a Jew first so that they can be saved as Jews. They totally misunderstood what God was doing. Paul comes with the gospel and says, no, he's going to save the Gentiles just like he saved the Jews through faith in the promised seed. So Paul here is inviting the Gentiles to come in through faith in Jesus and participate in the synagogues and in the temple. He even is accused of bringing them into the temple precinct, which is Jews only space. He brought them past that place where the Gentiles could go. And so he's in a lot of trouble. He caused a lot of problems, and they've had him thrown in prison for his view that Gentiles can participate with Israel as Israel without a conversion. He called it the mystery of the gospel. He's in prison for this. Ephesians 6, verse 18. He says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert, and with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, like you ever had a problem with that, 
He's very discouraged. He's in prison. For the first time, he's not feeling like he wants to share this anymore because it's cost him everything. He says, pray that God will open my mouth and make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. The mystery is that the Gentiles, as Gentiles, get to participate with Israel as Israel in the covenants of promise. He says that I would open my mouth and make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He wasn't feeling very bold after being beaten repeatedly and imprisoned, living his life in chains in a horrible setting. Before the Apostle Paul, this revelation that the Gentiles who believe in Jesus are grafted in to Israel, are joint citizens with Jews, believing Jews, as the Israel of God, that they're participating in the same one fold, one flock with one shepherd as Jewish believers was important enough to spend time in prison over. The religious leaders of Paul's day were so upset that they beat him and had him thrown in prison. Today, you will encounter, to one degree or another, that same spirit, that same spirit of hostility from religious people all around you. And they will say to you as a Gentile believer, as a Christian, you have no business keeping the holy days. You're not Jewish. Why would you do that? You have no business keeping the dietary laws. You're not Jewish. You're free from that. You have no business keeping the Shabbat. Our day is Sunday. You're different from the Jews. You're different from Israel. You have your own tree. And if you push the limit and say, no, I'm going to do this, they'll kick you out in a nice way. Typically, they'll move you on. You won't have a place in those kind of churches right? And even Orthodox synagogues will give you the same business. What are you doing? You're not Jewish. You need to convert first and become Jewish. Then you can do this stuff. So like Paul, you're going to be misunderstood and marginalized by both groups, Orthodox Jews and Christians. For what? Identifying with believing Jews as the Israel of God. For keeping these days, these holy days, these dietary laws, this Shabbat, because in their estimation, you are not Jewish. They don't understand identity issues. So, I want to encourage you. The Torah has been written on your heart. Why would God do that? Why would God also write the Torah on Gentile hearts? so that the Gentiles could walk in it in unity with Jewish believers. Yeah, Paul says very clearly in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, circumcision doesn't matter, uncircumcision doesn't matter. What does he mean by that? Circumcision is code for ethnic status. He's saying your Jewish ethnic status doesn't matter. Your Gentile ethnic status doesn't matter. What matters is keeping the commandments of God. We are one in Messiah, one new man of Jews and Gentiles walking within the framework of the covenant. And this is what we do. 
So as Gentile believers, I'm saying it's time to press in and learn all about our new family, Israel, her history, ancestry, her biblical customs, traditions, and celebrations. We're jumping into the fall holidays. There's no better time than this to begin to explore and experience your new identity, participating with believing Jews as the Israel of God. He gave us these days. Who did he give the days, the days to? He gave these holy days to Israel. Are you a part of Israel? If you're a part of Israel, these are your days too. Do you know that all of these holy days find their fulfillment in Jesus? They're all about Jesus. It's all about his glory. So that when you keep these days, you're lifting up the name of Jesus. You're exalting him. You're drawing people to him. It's in him that they find the fullness. These are his celebrations. The kingdom of God is a party or two or three or seven or eight, right? It's like a cycle of redemption celebrated in the holy days and they are ours. And it's time that we loose ourselves from nearly 2,000 years of anti-Semitism and misunderstanding that has given us a bunch of syncretism that's very confusing and come back to the holy ways of God. Because it's in these holy days that we get a clear and glorious picture of who Jesus is. So, jump in. The water's warm. Hallelujah. Shabbat shalom.